Good morning. Good morning, my fellow human beings who are still stuck to this clammy planet. Yeah, I, I couldn't sleep last night. I haven't really been able to write very much computer code in the last, you know, week or so. This is bad because, you know, it's a job. You get paid. And I can make up for it this week, probably. And I would say I probably will. Because I have to. But... I am stretching my imagination. I am stretching my consciousness to see the reasons and the justifications for keeping faith with this current dying thing, this corpse. I know a lot of people are saying, fuck the corpse, Dan. There's still, you know, parasites wiggling around in it. It's not totally dried out yet. You can still feel good. But when I look at the current set of arrangements, what you can call society, economics, politics, whatever the fuck you want to call it, when I look at the human community in the United States of America, the current version of it is a corpse to me. It smells bad. It does not work. It can't work. It's designed to fail. And we are currently experiencing that failure, and it's still really slow. We are still at the stage where you can get by. You can make this work. This is still the early stage. You can call this stage one or stage two. When you get to stage three, that's when you start seeing blackouts. That's when you start seeing network outages that last for weeks and months. And when you get to stage four of collapse, that's when the food stops showing up. And after that, it really is chaos. There is no stage five. After that, everything goes to hell. It really is ultimately about the food. They could rig and manipulate a lot of angles. They could do a lot of very crooked crony stuff. But at the end of the day, if they couldn't feed their slaves, that would be a problem. So I couldn't sleep last night. And I haven't really been able to get into the mood to fuck the corpse. And if you ask me, that's what working right now feels like. Getting paid in the current set of arrangements feels like fucking a corpse. I've never fucked a corpse, so I'm really speculating. So maybe it's not like that. But conceptually, I imagine myself fucking a corpse when I think about going and having the motivation to write the code, to do the work that's connected to something that's dead and dying and going away. You know, I don't think it's the end of the world, but... If you connect your world to the way things currently work, I'm sorry, but your world is ending. If you haven't gotten the news flash yet, you should look around. What we should hope for, what we should desire on the other side of whatever catastrophe lay in front of us is a freer world. Not more cops, not more cameras, not bigger armies and bigger bombs, but an actual free world. That should be the thing that we look to. But will it be? Will it be? 
Will people recognize their folly? And the answer is probably no. If you are a libertarian, a small government Republican, if such people still exist, an anarchist voluntarist, if you believe in freedom, the best hope I can offer is that it's possible you'll have more governments to choose from in the coming months and years, including the absence of any real government. I think parts of this country will simply, yeah, they will become unruly. Maybe that's a good word for it. But there will be unruly parts of the United States where there'll be no rulers. And you could argue it'll be chaos and violence, or you could argue it might end up becoming the most peaceful part of the country. The best thing I can offer you as far as hope is that we might have those choices. And it's still possible, I guess. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's supremely wishful thinking. But it's still possible that this empire collapses back into something like a free republic. If only because the empire and the police state and the spying on your neighbors is god-awful expensive. And they're broke. So it's possible that this whole thing does implode back into a free republic. I don't think so. I think the Constitution is one and done. I don't think there's going to be, a, you know, any way to fix it, no matter how hard you try, Humpty Dumpty is busted. After the monkey herpes, after the last couple decades of financial repression, after the war on terror nonsense that looks just like a giant fuck you to everybody, I think it's one and done, okay? So if you're hoping that the empire will collapse into something like Washington, D.C. in 1900, I don't think you get to go that way. Nature is not that fucking kind. You can, you can evolve, and you can evolve a certain direction, but you don't get to push a button and go back to some previous version of yourself. Well, shit, the world is filling with water. Can I become man-fish? The answer is no. The Constitution of the United States is one and done. In 1996, when I swore an oath to it, I truly believed the people that served actually took the same oath. I now know that that's bullshit. I don't know who they take an oath to. Probably Baal, probably the devil, probably anybody but Jesus. But it's not to protect and defend the Constitution from enemies foreign and domestic. If it were, the Eccles building, where the Federal Reserve is, would be a giant hole in the ground, which they would turn into a memorial pond in memory of the special forces that raided that building that day and took out all the information and all the guards. Yeah, if this were, if this were a free republic, the Federal Reserve would be destroyed. There would have been no war on terror. We would not have had 9-11 if this were a free republic. It's not. It's not. And the COVID is the absolute reminder that it's not. A free country does not have an on-off switch. So no, I don't think we get to implode back into fantasy land. Oh, but can't it be just like the 1950s? Oh, how can I put this? Let's say you had a war, a big-ass war. A lot of cities were blown up. This includes their factories. Let's say you had a big war, a big fucking war, and you're the only country left with factories intact and a workforce intact, and you've got a surplus of food. And then you say, guess what? I'll tell you a story. If you take the dollar... If you take our cruddy dollar, you can exchange it for gold. During World War II, every major industrial power that we would trade with after World War II, and I would even include the Soviet Union in this, every major industrial power was exhausted. Their factory base was depleted. 
The United States had factories that could crank out cars and ovens and later microwave ovens and whatever. And we had a giant checkbook and we promised if you took our checks, you could always get gold. I mean, that promise lasted, I think, for almost 30 years. Not quite. Almost 30 years we kept that promise. And then, and then Nixon closed the gold window, which is a fancy way of saying something else, which is the truth. The truth is, when Nixon closed the gold window, the United States defaulted on its debt. That's the truth. Nobody wants to talk about the truth in this country, so let's go to pretend land. But in truth, when we told those countries that, the countries that were blown to hell during World War II, when we promised at Bretton Woods that we would exchange dollars for gold, and then we broke that promise, we were the shitbirds. And then when we adopted Kissinger's petrodollar model, we became super duper douchebags. And we went around this world thinking everybody's oil is ours because the only way you can price it is in dollars. If you think we're imploding back into the 1950s or 1940s or 1910s, if you think the Constitution gets a second run, I think you're wrong. One and done. Been there, done that. What we need is a free country. And if we can't have one of those, then at least maybe if we have several new countries, one or two won't be so terrible. The thing about believing in freedom, it's like believing in water or food or shelter or oxygen. It's like having faith in the simple fact that there are things you need to survive and in knowing that every other option to freedom makes it more difficult for you to live, for your family to live, for your community to survive. Freedom is cheaper, okay? Freedom doesn't involve any government taxes. It doesn't involve any government pensions. Freedom is cheap. It is economical. It is functional. Tyranny is only ever going to be more and more expensive. Now, I should probably go to the first topic because I ranted on that for a while. So, about a year ago, my friend Jim and I, Jim and I, <laughs> not Jim and I, Jim and I, Kind of like the king and I, right? <laughs> Who's the princess? Yeah, um, about a year ago, my friend Jim Davidson, and if you want to learn more about him, you can go to freedomlanddao.com and you can learn more about his intentional community he's working on called Ozarkia. But about a year ago, Jim and I were talking and... We were talking about Dyson Spears, and if you don't know what a Dyson Spear is, I think it was Friedrich Dyson who proposed that, a cer that certain technological civilizations would take all the mass and matter um, that orbits around a particular star and pull it together and build these superstructures, maybe even to the point of building a spear around a star. And people would live on the inside of the spear, and they would have all the energy they needed forever because essentially the sun would be under control at that point. This is called a Dyson Spear, which means that in theory, if Dyson is right, we would find civilizations that have essentially taken all this matter, all this junk, all these planets and asteroids and comets and everything in a solar system and turning it into some type of giant space station with the sun, with their particular sun, at the center of it. But I was talking to my friend Jim, and I was thinking, you know what would be even, you know what would be even more kick-ass than that, and maybe, maybe Dyson was too afraid. But I, but Jim pointed out there have been science fiction writers who pointed this direction. But wouldn't it be more cool to build a Dyson hot rod? And you'd say, what's a Dyson hot rod? Well, simply put, you could do what Dyson proposed, but you could actually 
potentially build a structure for controlling and manipulating um, a particular star, not just as an energy source, but as a source of propulsion. Imagine that. Imagine you could treat a particular star as your giant fusion energy drive. And you could use the power from that star, maybe even just using magnetic field to squeeze the plasmas and to create a directed solar structure that is no longer a star as much as it is the plasmatic formation of the cosmic oneness. You'll be cruising, baby. You'll be cruising really fast. You'd reach 10% the speed of light, probably within a few weeks. When you get to 50%, there'll be civilizations that will wish you'd never, you know, come by <laughs> because everyone had to die. What do I mean by that? Imagine you built a Dyson hot rod. A Dyson hot rod would essentially be a giant spaceship, a spaceship so big that you, if you had, a, let's say you imagine you had a train system that connected the, the spaceship, the front to the back, you know, the, the, the stern to the bow, whatever you want to call it. Imagine you had an internal train system that connected the front of the ship to the back of the ship. And then what if I told you that traveling at, let's say, 1% the speed of light, it would still take a few minutes, maybe, um, potentially, to get from the front to the back or something. But in reality, you're not going to be going at 1%. So probably to go from the front, to the front of the ship to the back of the ship, going at, let's say, 100 to 200,000 miles an hour, which is pretty fucking fast for a train... Um, it will take months, months. That's how big these things would be, maybe years. And so ultimately, we're talking about structures so big that it might not even be feasible for people living on one part of it to easily visit another part. They'd travel, but the travel would take a while. But imagine you're a solar system in the year 4078 Boblimtok, the clever monkeys of the solar system known as Trobus 18, also known as Genghis, known to them as Sol or the solar system, the plebdic monkeys of Earth. They started rounding up the gas giants. They started pulling all the little asteroids together. They built a rinky-dink, a hobo spaceship around their star. scary. So you've got this um, solar system scale spaceship that spans 10, 20, 30. Let's say it's a billion miles long. So, so it doesn't really span the whole solar system. Let's just say you have a spaceship that's a billion miles long and it represents all the mass in our solar system and it's going, let's say, roughly 20 to 30% the speed of light and this particular ship goes right by your solar system. The gravitational waves... Uh, you know, you know that you you remember water skiing ever? If you water skied as a kid, and there'd be a sign, "Please don't make a wake." If you had another civilization living in another solar system, and you traveled too close to it, and you're going too fast, you could potentially pull objects in that solar system out of orbit. So, so it's great to talk about a Dyson Spear, but once you think about Dyson Hot Rods, and then you ask yourself, what's the probability of one? And in some ways, that's way scarier. 
than the Drake Equation or any of this other kind of, you know, buckyball 1970s, let's smoke some weed in our jeans and listen to the AM radio bullshit. What do we know about the clever monkeys on planet Earth? Well, we know this. If enough is enough, we don't ever seem to be able to figure that shit out. Like some of us do. And then those of us that do get made fun of. So ultimately, there's a big agenda in enough never being enough. And so I don't really see us looking and saying, let's build a Dyson Spear. We'll be a giant egg. We'll be a giant ball. Suspended in space for the human race. We'll be a giant station. Everybody will get a ration. A ration. Whatever. I don't think the human race would do the Dyson Spear thing. I think they would, you know, Professor, you know, Impossibilicus would go before the United Grumpian League and they would say, listen, we got two options. We can build this, you know, spear around the sun and we can kind of like, you know, we can raise crops and eat kale and pick the peanuts out of our buttholes or... we can build a Dyson hot rod. And we can travel through the galaxy at 20% maybe, the speed of light, and we'll try not to make a wake. But I'm sorry, we're going to look like a giant Humvee. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the engineers of, of Dr. Impossibilicus decide that the optimal shape of their Dyson hot rod as it travels through the solar system, though really the universe, is the shape of a Hummer. A Hummer that's hitting planets, rogue asteroids, <coughs> a brown dwarf here or there hits the windshield. And that's when you have to hit the windshield wiper. Because those brown dwarves, they lead gumbus. And tribulum. <laughs> yeah. I think if Dyson Spears are possible, <coughs> this is my crooked conjecture at 4.30 a.m., on Monday morning, November the 8th, 2021, Bolimp Doc. Here's my sketchy sideways conjecture. If Dyson Spears are possible and civilizations build those, I think they're way more likely to build a hot rod. And, and that means that we should see hot rods. We should see these motherfucking billion-mile-long hot rods cruising through the universe, causing problems, knocking comets out of the Oort cloud. We should see that crap, but we don't, do we? And I think that's weird. I don't think it proves anything. I didn't get any sleep last night. So I don't think it remotely proves anything. But I do think it's an interesting thought experiment. If you can build the spear, then you can contain a solar object like the sun as a kind of fusion drive. And I'll even go further. If you can contain a sun, you can contain a pulsar, you could potentially contain a small black hole, 
And with all that working for you in some super system, superstructure, a little bit of engineering, probably a lot of engineering, but, but we're talking about a civilization that might be a million years old, let's say. And, that it's a, and let's say it's a million years rather into its technological period. Who the hell knows what they could do? But if you could capture these cosmic structures and, and configure them into a super hot rod, and then as you coast through the, you know, through the universe, you, acce you accessorize. You grab a planet here. I mean, yeah, there might be something living on it, but just, you'll just put it into the crusher. You'll grab another spaceship there, but, you know, it goes into the blender. Then you take the blended up Trobizac. You take the living glue. You expand the starship, and it fills up the sky. A battleship that's a billion miles long. I would say that's a battleship you don't want to mess with. It has a pulsar for a cannon. <laughs> Imagine, that's what you would do. You would capture a pulsar, and then you would turn it into your forward cannon. And then you'd realize that one pulsar is not enough. You can't do enough with just one pulsar. You have to have three or four. And then you're really talking about a super multi-billion mile long, really, at this point, maybe a trillion miles, a trillion mile long spaceship. Now, you could say, Dan, they'll do the Dyson Spear because they'll be so wise, but for all of our wisdom so far, we just build bigger bombs, you know. We, we spend a lot of money on stupid crap. We do a lot of very dumb shit. With all of our smarts and all of our money, we actually do some crookedly stupid shit. Did you know the United States government didn't just once but twice frack for nuclear, nuclear, excuse me, frack for natural gas with tactical nuclear weapons? Did you know that? It, you know, it was, it was part of Operation Plowshares, um, I believe. Project Gas Buggy. But the point is, they used tactical nuclear weapons twice, at least twice that we know of, to frack for natural gas. So if you're going to ask yourself what they'll do, what won't they do, do they have limits, I would say get yourself a Ouija board and conjure up the ghost of an old Native American chief and ask that Native American chief what they won't do. That's a real simple fucking question, isn't it? So humans and governments and the crooked folks and casino dwellers, the people of the Chevron station known as planet Earth, I think they would build a hot rod. I don't think they would build a spear. Next topic. Next topic. I'm thinking of starting a business. Um, I mean, not that I need more things to worry about, but... I'm trying to look to the future. If you're going to start a business, you should think about the future. You should think about the present, but you should also but you should also look down the road and have like one of those 5-year plans. So I'm I'm going to start a business based upon a vision of the future. The name of the business is going to be it's probably chicken. Think about the Impossible Burger or these other grungy burgers, the Cockroach Burger, the Cricket Burger, the Slug Burger, the, the Mungy Juice Burger from the ocean chicken living at the bottom of the Alaskan, you know, the Gulf of Alaska Basin, who knows what's down there now but ocean chicken. Think about all those burgers that aren't really beef and, and all the pink slime. So I'm going to start a restaurant called It's Probably Chicken. I'll say I 
only sell locally raised meat. It'll be like, hey mom, can we go out tonight and get some It's Probably Chicken? Sure, little Billy. I know that we haven't, you know, we haven't had dinner since second to last third Tuesday. Here's my advertising campaign. It's probably dinner. Then it's probably chicken. That's a good, and that's what I'll, I'll do little jingles on the radio, on the CB radio, as the truckers are moving human meat flesh from one taco factory to the next because the Sector 8 lords won the battle of Gunji City. They got all the oil and the crooked coal from Mormonia and now they're moving grunty flesh to the taco factory. And as they're driving the grunty flesh to the taco factory, they'll hear my little ditty how it's probably chicken. It probably is. We don't really know. And, and don't ask too many questions because it's probably chicken. One of our commercials that will maybe never show on anything where you could see it. It'll show a, a young couple on their first date, you know. I don't know what they'll be using to ride on. Maybe horses. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe those rickshaws being pulled by dogs. And there'll be a romantic music playing like they have in those wine commercials. And some old voice like maybe Ted Danson will say, if it's probably chicken, then it's probably going to be a great evening. Yes, if it's probably chicken, then it's probably going to be a great evening. And you'll fall in love. I don't know if this business will do well. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that people will want to label or repackage as chicken. And some of it might be grunty flesh. Some of it might be the scrambly stuff that they send to the pig factory. And if it comes back as bacon... If it comes back as bacon, does it really matter what the pig ate? customer of GoDaddy, that's GoDaddy.com, since I think the year 2010. And I have purchased domains through them. I have had websites like a previous blog, Dendritica.com. It had a few other names. But my previous blog was hosted on their site until around 2017. Um, and and more or less since 2010. So for about 10, 11 years, I've been paying them money. 
And in those 10 or 11 years, let's just get a few things out of the way. At first, their customer service was really great. In fact, I would say it was sometime in 2015 or 2016 that I noticed their customer service, their tech support, whatever you want to call it, went right through the hole. In recent months, um, my site has been down multiple times a week. And, you know, it could all just be accidental. I don't know. That, you know, we live in a very strange world where paranoia is easy and it's easy to get paranoid about what people can and can't do. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Um, the CPU processing power for most of these computers is such that the NSA and the CIA and other allies, you know, <clears throat> Mossad for Israel, but a lot of very shady characters could park the IT equivalent of an aircraft carrier on a modern CPU, uh, and you just wouldn't know. You could call it a super keylogger, call it whatever you want to. And whatever Snowden um, told you isn't even half of it. Whatever we got from Snowden isn't the whole truth. The whole truth is you have no idea what they put on your CPU. So yeah, we don't want to get too paranoid, but it's plausible that pretty much every computer in the world, no matter what kind of operating system you're running, is owned at this point as long as you're connected to the internet. As long as there's a way they can access your computer electronically, they can own it. But that doesn't mean they do. And it also doesn't mean that they can make it work. You know, there are many big question marks in surveillance. Surveillance is not free. It is a big data problem because it produces a lot of data. <sighs> that little tangent though. Yeah, so I have been a customer with GoDaddy for about a decade and in the last few years, their customer service has gotten really bad. My website, other than the WordPress portion, is very basic. It's basically just a content delivery vehicle. I, I haven't put a ton of effort into my website. The main reason for it being there is to host MP3s for podcasts and posters and videos. And that's mostly it. Um, some fun stuff around Dr. Freckles Global Tontine Club if you're into the weird stuff. And then there's the blog. But that's it. Now, one of the excuses I got a few months ago that I called bullshit on was, well, Dan, you know, PHP only works right under Linux. And there's some truth to this, but the problem is I was barely using PHP. The amount of PHP I used in either case was so slender in terms of behaviors that it doesn't make any sense. Unless they want to say WordPress doesn't really work on a Windows server, and if that's the case, fine. The problem is these were not issues around PHP. These were cases of where the site was totally down. And I've noticed, I've noticed that once I make a phone call to GoDaddy, almost immediately in almost every case, my site is magically up again in like five minutes. And, and so here's where I'm at. Either they have a really unstable platform and they have terrible technical support and you combine those two and you end up where I'm at as a customer, which means assuming there's a next year for things like podcasts, which I don't think there will be, I'm going to move someplace else. It could be that. Or it could be that there's just a lot of special people in this country that get fucked with. If you listen to my podcast, I've told you the situation with YouTube, on again, off again, and don't get me started on the shadow ban garbage. I pretty much don't have a stable social media presence. And for most of that history, it was about my accounts being deleted for no good reason. Recently, I've basically decided to just go dark. You know, if I'm on social media, since I know I'm going to be banned, I might as well just go full bore. That's where I'm at now. But for years, I, you know, thought, hey, um, if I play by the rules, I won't get banned or censored. But that's bullshit. 
So who knows why GoDaddy sucks so much? I will say I got a couple links to some MP3s in the notes if you want to... And, and I think there's a couple of the versions of those on YouTube. If you want to listen to the conversations I had with them, it's up to you. It's kind of a hell zone. Now, we've all been talking about Boblimtok and Boblimtok season and what that means to people. Because it means different things to different people when the season of Boblimtok comes along. It's really cozy and warm. We're excited about going shopping on, you know, Red Thursday. And, and when Grinkin time feels close and it's almost Grinkin's Eve, we're, we're sharpening our knives. We sharpen our knives and our axes and we get ready for Grinkin time. I remember a time in the Jurgis age Back when Fonzie was big and Barbarino was a sex symbol. I remember in the Jurgis age, I remember time. Do you know what follows Grinkin time after the first day of Boblimtok? The Drogas Funkin' folk, like that giant Tartarama, will be ingruzulated, draped with Norgan greases and ancient Welsh urine costumes after Grinkin's Eve. I remember the time, the time of the unpaid darkness, the time of the darkness that shall be paid when the busty high-altitude navies of lesbian oiled-up clans would roam the skies in perpetual conflict, fiery lesbian naval battles 20 miles above the surface of the earth in ion-drived, you know, ion-drive-powered dirigibles. That, that'll be an amazing time we, we shall remember. In the coming time, the times to come when the Borgold held the city of Drefless in siege, fucker. You'll remember guys and gals out on a date. They would hunt the next grade with daggers made of jade and an eye to a black sun burning the fringes of their sensibility. You're just out for fun on a Friday night, right? In Boblimtok. We'd scream at those motherfuckers in the time of Boblimtok. We'd say, damn you to Zonga. And the high would run dry with the blood in the hood. And all the soldiers would go home to their hoopty girls. And without the power of the fist or the mace... Their lives would be a disgrace, baby. So they bake the cookies. They cook the rice. They make a curry out of their own despair. Their life is spicy during Boblimtok time. They wage battles against all of their enemies and they are victorious. And it is a Grinkin time miracle. Yeah, I've been talking a lot about Bo Blimp Talk and Grinkin time. Anyways, next topic. And I think I may wrap this up quickly because there's a few topics, but I'm trying to get caught up in a way. 
I don't know if it matters. I just don't know. I think life matters. I don't know that podcasts matter. I think being able to purify water probably matters. I don't know if writing another 10,000 lines of code matters. I know I have to do it if I want to get paid. I know I have to keep doing it if I want to keep connected to this fucking corpse. But it feels like a corpse, doesn't it? Even if we don't know what that feels like, our brain does the imagination thing of imagining having sex with something that's dead. And a lot of this commerce with this system feels like, you know, having sex with a corpse. Even though I've never done that before. About, you know, whatever, 12, maybe 18 months ago, about 18 months ago, when the monkey herpes thing was in its early stages, I made the point that if this was trauma-based mind control, if it was a PSYOP, that one of the outcomes eventually would be adrenal fatigue, exhaustion. You can call it exhaustion. You can call it trauma in, in the sense that trauma builds up and you get PTSD. You can call it nervous breakdowns. You can call it whatever you want to. It would take the form of heart attacks and strokes. It would take the form of drug overdoses. But the point is, after about a year and a half of this kind of trauma-based mind control, people would simply stop functioning. In my notes, I've got a link to an article from Zero Hedge about something really strange happening at hospitals. And I don't think it's that strange because it's what I expected. Right about now, you would start seeing a flood of people who probably had chronic disorders before the age of monkey herpes, before Boblimtok. But, but since they've been told the monkey herpes is so horrible, a lot of people simply haven't been taking care of themselves. They've lost hope. They decided they want to kill themselves. They decided they might want to kill themselves slowly. They're eating the grunctus cubes and they're dying of grunctopia, which we can also call diabetes and heart disease and cancer. But they're basically dying from despair in a lot of cases. They are burnt out. They are exhausted. Another thing that can happen with this type of military psychological warfare operation is you can just drive people crazy, which means a lot of people, they might not have a heart attack and die. They might not simply overdose or, or you know, get a stroke or something. They might go crazy. They might harm people that maybe under normal circumstances, they would never think of harming. They might do more than just harm themselves. This is also another effect of this kind of trauma-based mind control. It's also why I have a giant question mark about the reset stuff. Because it sounds like nonsense. I, I guess we'd reset into an insane asylum and then we all kill each other for a few years, and then we reset into Logan's Run. Maybe. There's a lot of big ifs in that you know, series of statements, and you have to, once again, hold government in some sort of light of respect that it can do those things. I don't think it can. Listen, I think the government can trick you, because grifters can trick you. The government can trick you. The government can steal from you. These types of organized crime organizations can do all kinds of terrible things. But do I think they can control reality? Probably not. The thing that bothers me about what they're doing is it doesn't match any of the scenarios people are talking about, so it's weird. The only thing I can think of, and I've mentioned this before, is they're trying to manage collapse. But using trauma-based mind control to manage the collapse of the U.S. dollar is, as I've said before, like remodeling your kitchen with dynamite. Is it theoretically possible? Huh, maybe in some bizarro world, but the most likely outcome is it'll just be a smoking hole. So, no, if, if they're doing this to manage collapse, then it just seems crazy to me. 
And if they're doing this to transition to a reset world, it seems crazy to me. There are very few scenarios in which what they are doing makes sense. One of the things that has to be true of that scenario is that they can't be held accountable. Like, they're all acting as if there'll be no consequences. And let me get that one out of the way. If the reset thing, the, the, the WEF, the World Economic Foundation, Klaus Schwab, mindfuck, has any purpose, its main purpose is to keep people like Governor Inslee and Governor Newsom and all the full bird colonels and generals and the military and admirals and you name it. The purpose is to keep them at their post. To keep them working. Because they need to believe. All these motherfuckers have to believe they have an exit strategy. That there'll be a fucking UN helicopter with blue helmets to suck them up to some type of reset nirvana in Switzerland. Where they get to get colonics and other things shoved up their butts while they're drinking champagne for the rest of their lives. The reset is mostly for those people. Yes, it's to infuriate and stress out the the hoi polloi. But the main function of the reset is to keep the middle management at their jobs. So if you ask me, they're facing a problem that a problem they don't control the schedule for. They, they, they haven't controlled the schedule. That's why these psyops are in these weird cycles of up, down, up, down, on, off. It, they don't control the schedule. That's why they have to keep running through cycles of this nonsense. That's why they talk about infinite boosters, because they don't know precisely when it's all going to break. Could be collapsed. But the one thing I'm certain of, based on the PSYOP tempo, is they don't control the schedule. And they don't believe at a certain level, and I don't even know if it's Bill Gates, because he could be a fucking actor. But at whatever level the people have power over the U.S. dollar, at that level, I don't believe there's... They don't believe. They do not expect any consequences. I know I've had this rant before, but it's worth going through again. At their level, whatever level that is, they do not believe there are going to be any real consequences. What does that tell you? I mean, the only situation I can think of is something so fucking horrible that most people will just be scrambling to stay alive. And so they'll have no time and no energy to do anything. That's not the reset. That's like Mad Max world, best case. Worst case... <laughs> I mean, you pick pick some type of poison that they might be aware of. Pick some problem that they have the inside story on. There's so many possibilities. My friend Jim has mentioned coronal mass ejection. Those can be bad. Those can be real bad. It could be it. I've had other people mention calderas to me. It could be it. Some people believe in Planet X. Who knows? Maybe a rogue planet. It could be. That does kind of explain all the spraying. Not really. I don't really buy that, but it could. <sighs> there are so many possibilities for a fuzzy event, but it's definitely fuzzy. If it was going to be, we want y'all dead, just to harken back to a previous podcast, they could have been. They could have done pyramids on Mars. They could have done the booth. They could have done free bread. There are so many things people would have done very quickly, and you would have killed a lot of people really, really fast. Just sending people the wrong prescriptions through Amazon and then blaming it on a hacker, you could have probably killed 20 or 30 million Americans. And, oh, but a hacker did it. Well, there you go. You got your prescription from Amazon, but some hacker broke the system. And you got poison instead. If they wanted to kill a bunch of people really fast, they had lots of options in 2019. So why drag it out? Why drive people insane? Why use dynamite to remodel your kitchen? Well, maybe they're not remodeling it. Maybe they're simply tossing the dynamite behind themselves as they leave. Where do they go? I don't know. <clears throat> this is what keeps me up at night. I don't believe any of the crap we've been told, so I'm left with speculating on what it could be, and this is what keeps me up.
I know that you're not going to build any kind of society around mind-fucking each other, okay? You're just not. We can do this for a little while, but I don't think we can do this for, for many more months, let alone years. So what happens after the great mind-fuck? What happens the next day? After all of this psyop bullshit is over, what's the end state? How do they succeed? And I don't see it. Or at least I don't see it involving most of us. Like, I could see their definition of success simply making it to the bunker and not being killed. And that could be their definition of success. But that just means they think the surface world is going to be so fucked that nobody's going to have the energy to go find air inlets and pour gasoline down them like they're the Dirty Dozen, like they're Lee Marvin. They have to believe there's going to be no consequences. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. So many who hate the emperor are afraid the empire will collapse. And I'm kind of directing this at um, crypto people because they do have to live a kind of schizophrenic life. They have to profess their love for the decentralized world while being plugged into a chip manufacturing complex is highly deep state, highly centralized, being plugged into an electricity system that's highly deep state, highly centralized. I mean, if you're crypto and you talk decentralization, you're doing it on the Death Star. So it's a little bit weird. And a lot of people, they hate the dollar. You know, a lot of crypto people hate the dollar. But at the same time, they also really don't want the dollar to collapse because if it does, many of them suspect what I think is true, crypto will go with it probably. It's not going to be a hiccup. It's not going to be stagflation. You don't get to go back in a time machine. This is not 1975. I know a lot of people think that life works that way, but it doesn't. You don't get to do that. You don't. If you evolve to get your two feet and your monkey hands to do monkey shit and the world starts to fill with water and you can't build ships fast enough, you don't get to magically become amphibian man or fish man. That is not how it works. A lot of people hate the emperor but are still afraid the empire will collapse. And this is a thing you find with a lot of libertarians and a lot of ANCAPs and a lot of people that, you know, just hate the Federal Reserve. But the problem is they're plugged into that system. They're fucking that corpse. And, and to them, it's, you know, maybe it's not a corpse. Maybe it's their rosebud. This girl asked me once at a party, Do you have a girlfriend? And I said I had hundreds spread out. This girl at a party said, Dan, do you have a girlfriend? And I said I had hundreds of them spread out all over the Southwest in shallow graves. She didn't smile. She just walked away. There was a girl once 
She came up to me at a party and said, What do you like to do to have fun? I said, honey baby, I like to take girls out to the desert and show them that spot where I said goodbye to my first love. The goth chicks are really into that. Yeah. So I got another quote from Dr. Freckles here. There is no desperation without optimism. Now that's a weird quote, is it? There, isn't it? There is no desperation without optimism. And hey, Dan, that's crazy. What do you think that means? I think that people who are truly optimistic, and I would even go further, people who are optimistic and kind of have a decent understanding of the world, which means they're optimistic about human beings and freedom and dignity. I think people like that get sad sometimes when they look at the world. They get upset. They get desperate. When I looked at the world in 2020 and saw what my quote-unquote neighbors were doing, I became desperate. I was actually filled with ultimately filled with despair. And I got to the point in my own desperation where I wondered, you know, if the Lord in heaven is kind, give me a heart attack, give me a stroke, because I don't really want to die, but I also don't really want to be around these people any longer. They're not really good people. They're terrible people. The energy they have is monstrous. They don't care about their kids. They don't care about their environment. They don't care about anything. And then they have the gall, the foolishness. They have the madness and insanity of this weird faith in a government that is only ever going to harm them. It can't help them, but it will harm them. I'm tired of these people. But the reason why I was tired and desperate and filled with despair, the reason why I was frustrated and angry and anxious is pretty simple. We could all do better. We don't have to be trapped by this. We have to give up on bad ideas, like one of them, we're going to somehow vote ourselves to freedom. If you still believe you're going to go into some type of you know, ballot box or do a sign-in ballot or do something online and eventually you'll vote yourself to freedom, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. I don't want to just beat up on you, but that's never going to happen. So if you want one chance in hell of not simply being desperate, you got to give up on bad ideas. A bad paradigm is like an anchor, okay? And it's pulling you down. And you are desperately trying to stay on the surface so you can breathe, but you're holding on to that anchor too. You got to let go. We all do. We got to let go to those things that are killing us. We have to recognize that we're never going to have a healthy relationship with a corpse. And that if we want to have a healthy relationship, we got to move on from fucking the corpse. But there's a lot of truth to this idea that only with optimism do you find yourself desperate. Do you find yourself struggling? Because ultimately pessimists... Eh, it can always get worse, right? But maybe it's better to think in terms of, but can't it always also maybe get better? And if it can and it doesn't, how does that make you feel? Are you disappointed? Are you disillusioned? Are you carving up spikes and metal objects? I think for this particular podcast, I'm more or less um, 
done. I have a few more quotes from Dr. Freckles in the notes, but I don't see a reason to go over them. There's one more thing. You know, I don't want to be president of the United States, but I'm maybe they do have a special kind of crack now. Like when you become president, you get the super meth. And and probably Trump already had super meth, so they said, "Ah, oh, no, I got my own supply, you can keep it." And maybe Biden did too. I don't know if Obama had super meth or super crystal meth or super crack. But you can call it POTUS crack, and that's the thing. The only reason to be the president is to get access to that crack, that cocaine, that special cocaine that only the president gets, so he gets wild and crazy, you know, and looks so presidential. Yeah. It's nice to sleep. It's nice to sleep, because if you can sleep, you don't go crazy. When we're trapped in the daylight, being mocked by the sun, we wish to escape to the land of dreams, where a stardust princess named Grunia waits for us each night in her satin underwear and she waits for us beyond the the veil beyond the edge of sleep that's why it's good to sleep baby I'm going to try to go get some sleep so this podcast is almost over. I'm going to try to wake up today and have an attitude, maybe a good attitude where I shove some type of protein down my own bunctus pipe and it translates into vitamins and minerals, sacred ancient greases and oils, which then reach my brain and take away the pain. And I begin to live again like one of the old crabs from ancient times when the dinosaurs played in their own tuxedo mansion. So I'll get sleep when the angel kings come along. <laughs> <laughs>